0: Could I say? It all seem to make sense You're taking away everything And I can't do without I try to see the good in life But good things in life are hard to find Welcome back to Bleeding Blue. Uh, this is New York Football Giants History Podcast, and with me today is my best friend, Nikki Snacks. This is a podcast and a show where we talk about the New York Football Giants and its history, and its great history. Last week, we talked about Tom Coughlin, and we started reading a book called A Team to Believe in. Snacks, how are you doing? You're one of my best friends. I love you.
1: I, I love you, too. Um, you said you were going to do that fast. I didn't realize yeah. that fast. Yeah. All, all right. Well, I'm, I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well.
0: Yeah, I've been starting to read some ads on Talking Giants, and it's, I've been practicing reading the ad copies really, really fast. Like, you, you use promo code Johnboy for 20% off your, your first you, you, the, the dollar paid off in four $25 bets. Uh, uh, call Indiana 1-800-WITH-IT if you have a gambling problem.
1: Like that. You're, you're a, a professional. Yeah, um, thank you. So I'm really proud of the strides you've made. Um, I'm doing well. I was telling you before we started this thing, that I found a box of my personal belongings when I was a kid. Uh, I probably haven't seen it in like 14, 15, 16, 17 years. And just a little, I want to show a couple of things that I found. As you can see, there's some bobbleheads in the back. Check this out. 2003, right? You see Ooh. that? Game ball. Look, look what I did in 2003 as a 10-year-old. Two home runs, three RBIs. Wow. Wow 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 as a 10 year old okay good for you yeah here's another game ball i don't know why my stats aren't written on it probably had like five home runs <laughs> either way so oh, just just a couple little things now if, oh oh
0: fucking bullshit oh we're only two minutes in do you see who this is You did it. I thought it was going to be a lot harder than that. You need
1: to fuck, say something. Fuck you, Tiki. I'm you back. decap. You decapitated him. I did. I would do it in real life. too. Oh, I shouldn't say that. That's a threat. Mm. Nah, it's a promise. So you want to go back to the book? Let's go back to... The- All right, I need to ask you a question, though. Sure. Ask me anything you want.
0: Pre-show, you were trying to pull on that bobblehead and you were having a little... I- Think you are having a little trouble? Did you loosen it up before we got on the air?
1: You've watched me. I haven't touched the thing until then.
0: I I, I thought maybe you were doing something under the table where I couldn't see you.
1: No, that was just pure pent up rage, anger, and emotion, and adrenaline, rage, yeah. frustration. You you ripped that off like butter. Of course. You think just because I weigh like one hundred fifty five pounds, I'm not strong as an ox?
0: When you when you get that anger in you, you you I don't want to get in your way.
1: Yeah, I'm only happy like one day a year, and like eight minutes of every day. So,
0: you just you recently just said in a fade the public blog- vlog that you're happy four days a year.
1: Oh, is it four? Yeah, which what, what which four? I don't even remember.
0: <laughs> I think you were a little, you were a little, you were, you were a little buzz. Well, WrestleMania is one. Yeah. Well, of course, duh. Um, the other day is draft day.
1: Yes, the Giants
0: season right. opener Correct. number three. Yeah, and your birthday number four.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't like my birthday anymore. Fourth Which, of by July. the way, because I'm, I'm getting old. And by the way, we're recording this on February 26th. You know what's in a month from today?
0: Is it your birthday?
1: Yeah, it's my birthday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: I'm going to be 21. Woo!
0: Congratulations. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your 7th, it's right, 20.
1: No, it's more than that. I'm going to be 28, asshole. Okay, so.
0: Yeah, it's your 7th,
1: 21st birthday. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Can we get to the damn book? Yeah. We're so
0: we started reading off last week. If you didn't hear my fast intro, we started reading last week, a team to believe in Tom Coffin wrote that book based off of the 2007 season. A lot of people think Tom Coffin only wrote wrote one book. Now I say a lot of people, meaning myself. I only thought Tom Coffin wrote one book and it was um, basically that book where he talked about, you know, leadership and earn the right to win earned the right to win. Um, he went on center stage with Michael K, And that was a really cool interview that he did there. So I didn't know that he wrote a second book, which is a lot more prevalent
1: to the giants. Correct. This is all giants. And it's funny. A lot of websites seem to think that he only wrote one book too, because um, I thought I lost this book before we started reading it last week. And I was looking for the book everywhere online. Couldn't find it. So anyway, whatever. Yeah. Last week we, we talked about, um, coach Coughlin's changed method, so to say his personality and how he changed, how he dealt with his players and the media and everything like that. So moving on, we actually have to start talking about the actual team and the players and how the 2007 season was, and the team was constructed and, and built. And that all happens after one season ends the next day, the next season starts. So, players win championships, coaches help them get there, right Justin? Yes, sir. All right. So, Coughlin talks about what needs to be done in the offseason for them for the Giants to get back to the playoffs and to ultimately try and win a Super Bowl. So, he says coming off 2006 season, it is clear that we must field a transformative draft class in 2007. We need to select players who can contribute immediately, particularly and I like how he mentions particularly because it's nice to get in the mind of a coach or or a front office exec that actually points out what they need, not we just need the best player at whatever position. So I like that, particularly at cornerback and at wide receiver to con- to constantly add playmakers to our roster. The money available to sign free agents to fill gaps can take us only so far, so we look to the draft for answers. Now, that's a pretty standard thing, right? What, it, what Most people say that, Great teams are built through the draft and not free agency. This comes in a time stretch where the Giants actually did sign some very key and productive free agents like Kareem McKenzie, like Antonio Pierce, like Plexico Barris. But this 2007 draft class ultimately it might be their best draft class of all time, just considering the contributions that they made to not only one but two Super Bowls.
0: Yeah, um, you know we're, we're looking right here. Aaron Ross was that first pick. Steve Smith was the second round pick. Jay Alford uh, contributes to one play, but that one play was. (laughs) He
1: lives in, he lives in giants lore forever because of that one play. But, let me, let me ask you
0: a question about that play, which I feel like this is like the third time that we've talked about this play in our very few episodes that we've done this offseason. Well, but it's worth being talked about. That's my favorite play, Jay Alfred sack. And I'm saying that play, and I'm not even referencing what I'm referring to. And some people listening to this show may not even know what I'm talking about. J. Alfred sack on Tom Brady at the end of Super Bowl 42, which, and that was the play in my, you know, 10-year-old brain when the Giants won the Super Bowl. That was the play where I knew that we did it. Like that, boom! Like the That's Giants it. did it. That's the stamp right there. So Jay Alford was a third round pick out of Penn State, and for those Penn State fans, where I feel like if you're a Penn State fan, I almost feel like it's a cult. Um, mm. You know, I I <laughs> I have some Eagle Eagle friends, you know, friends who are Eagles fans who follow me on Twitter, and anytime I bring up Jay Alford, it's like, oh Penn State, Penn State. Oh, he was really good at Penn State. Um, so but that one, my whole point does. Oh no, this is my question to you. Does that one play really live inside, like, the brain of, you know, of, of Giants fans? And is it really a memorable, famous play in franchise history? Or am I just trying to force that and make it a reality?
1: Um, I would say I, it, it's definitely not forced. because well, You may be asking the wrong person because you know my answer is yes. Like, that yeah. is a historic play. And just the fact alone that that sack, you knew we just beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like that to me, they you could you could make an argument. Obviously, outside the Burris catch and the Tyree catch, Eli play that play, the Alfred sack is the play that pops up in your head yeah. when you think of that game. So I don't think it's that crazy to say. So he was a
0: third round pick. Uh, Zach Diassi was taken in the fourth round, which is wild. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's not good. Who takes a long snapper in the third round? But was he always a long snapper?
0: I don't, I don't even know what he dude, what was. He, was he a linebacker? He was. He was an outside linebacker. That's what he. Yeah. That's the position that he was drafted. But was he drafted to actually be an outside linebacker? He was. Always, he always hustled. He always ran down the field. He was. He was always a pretty good tackler.
1: Yeah. Well, he's also a loser. But
0: whoa! How dare you? He's well, one he of the from... two. He's one of the two Pro Bowlers in this in this draft class. Yeah, well, he went from outside
1: linebacker to long snapper. So, dude, Probably I I will touch. tell you what. It was I don't mean that, by the way, he's not a loser. Okay, everybody's going to jump on me in the chat. Yeah, everybody,
0: everybody, everybody does jump on you. I'm proud of you. Ten minutes in, you only gave people one reason to jump on you.
1: Yeah, I could Um, sneeze and they jump at me. Assholes. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my motherfucking uncle. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my motherfucking uncle. Okay. I don't know why I thought of that. Well, just whatever.
0: So longs, I'm
1: not hating the, the craft of a long snapper because Neither am I. It's very important. We we saw in the 2002 wild card game against San Francisco, Trey Junkin, whatever the fuck his name is. How much money? You know
0: how much money you make every year, though?
1: What a million bucks! Just to snap
0: a ball and then run down the field and try to take somebody's has Got the
1: best position. He's got the. He plays the best position. It's better than a backup quarterback. Yeah. Because you could uh, like actually say I was part of this team's success Mm -hmm. and uh, do the bare minimum. Whatever.
0: Kevin Boss was a fifth-round pick, huge contribution. Adam Coates was an offensive tackle. Who? Michael Johnson, seventh-round pick. Who? Um, and then seventh-round Ahmad Bradshaw. You want to know the interesting fact about the Ahmad Bradshaw pick? Did Tom Coughlin talk about this at all? About the interesting fact around Amad Bradshaw and that pick? Say the fact, and I'll tell you. He, the Giants were awarded an additional seventh-round compensatory pick, number two hundred fiftieth overall. And that was a mod Bradshaw. They used their compensatory pick. So I wonder who the free agent was that they lost, like the year before, that turned into a mod Bradshaw. Two thousand six. I don't know who they lost.
1: I don't either. That's something that we might have to go look look. Up. I
0: could I can look it up. Why don't you? So why don't you continue with uh you know? Yeah. So well, we're- you
1: you were just talking about the guys that were drafted, and you know that's where I wanted to get into. So Coughlin says our big need in two thousand seven is a top flight corner who can start right away. Um. So they want they want to have a corner that starts out you know on the other side of of uh who's our corner webster and madison whatever the case madison yeah madison and we have our site and he he talks specifically we have our sights set on aaron ross the all-american corner from the university of texas and it's hysterical to me that he was an all-american because i don't think he was ever that that good i mean he was the was average I, I would say we like his toughness his hands and his tackling ability and aaron can also return puns by the way Coughlin talks special teams a lot in just like the first five chapters um but in the first round we pick. We, but in the first round we picked 20th, and there are teams ahead of us who also are in need of a corner. We breathe a sigh of relief when, with the 18th pick, the Cincinnati Bengals take another corner, Michigan's Leon Hall. We take Aaron Ross two picks later. So they had Aaron Ross. They locked eyes with Aaron Ross. Um, Dave Gettleman was probably he was in the organization at that time, so he probably fell in full bloom love with Aaron Ross, and there was no uh, debating taking him there. But Um, it's nice to get your guy, especially when you're picking 20th and he falls to you, you have somebody in mind who, you know, you have a high grade on, especially at clearly a position of need and you get to take them. So that's, that's fantastic. This this is what I love in the second round. Um, well, just going back a a minute, they had, um, they had player, they had prospects invited to giant stadium to meet with them, uh, get a feel for our organization and in particular and participate in formal in-person evaluation. And then he names a bunch of players. And Dwayne Jarrett was one of them, and he says Dwayne Jarrett was a guy that intrigued them. In the second round, Carolina takes Dwayne Jarrett, and we take his teammate, wide receiver Steve Smith, six picks later. So Dwayne Jarrett kind of panned out; like he did not was not that great, from what I remember. And Steve Smith was an absolutely integral part of that 2007 Super Bowl. You can make an argument you don't win the game without Steve Smith. So it's funny how they they bring in Dwayne Jarrett for a visit. They say they like what we they like what they see the the makeup of them. Uh, he had a great interview, but he gets sniped. He gets taken um, a few picks before, and I guess you could almost say they settled on Steve Smith. But in reality, they won that. Um. So I I, I appreciated reading that because Dwayne Jarrett would not have done what Steve Smith can do catch hundred thousand passes on third down. <laughs> um, so anyway, he he rounds out the list. Ahmad in the seventh round out of Marshall University. Uh, typically you hope your top three picks contribute in their first season. There is no way for us to know just how important a role all of these rookies will play in the upcoming season. So right, right there, that that's a good point because the first three picks are usually the guys that you would consider are going to be able to contribute right away. And a lot of teams rely heavily on rookies, especially, you know, with the contributions that this giants team got, they, they absolutely relied on them. Um, so the fact that they got contributions from, from rounds one to seven speaks volume to how good the, the trap class was.
0: If somebody, and I'm, and I'm serious about this cause I am very, very interested. I think this is a really, really fun fact. If somebody in the YouTube comments, or if somebody, you know, whether you reach out to us, you know, I, I'm, I'm preferably on my Twitter DMs, you can tw- DM snacks, you can DM myself if somebody can find out what player departed from the giants that wound up us getting the 250th pick in the 2007 draft, if somebody can tell us, I will give you a talk, I will buy you and I will send to you a talking giant shirt of your choice. Oh yeah. I am that serious. I want to know that bad.
1: That's insane. I could probably find, forget it. Can I get the shirt? If I get it, I can't.
0: No, no, you cannot. I have just buy me a shirt. I have tried to look for this for the, when you were, when you were talking and I feel bad, I, I feel like Bobby Skinner, Bobby Skinner never listens to me when I talk.
1: No, it's, it's evident too.
0: It's very evident. Um, But I was not really, <laughs> you were talking about the draft <laughs> class. You did a great job breaking down that draft class. And, you know, especially I, I heard compliments for Steve Smith and my, and I, and I love that, but I was really trying to find, you know, uh, who from, you know, who did we, aqua- who left the Giants like free agency wise in 2006 now I'm trying to see here because usually guys that leave free agency the year of a season, then the draft and the compensatory draft picks go to the next year. And I can't find on, I can't find who left the giants in 2006, LeVar Arrington, like retired. Yeah, that will will Demps had like 100 tackles for the Giants
1: in 2006. He did get signed by the Ravens, I believe. After
0: Well, that. no, it was the Ravens before and then he oh, went right, to the right, Giants right. for right. one year and right. then he started 15 games and nine ga- or you know, he played in 15 games and nine games for the Texans in 07 and 08. What did his, his contract? I, I don't know. I'm going to stop naming names because if you get it right and. I don't know how I'm going to verify that you're right. I guess after the show, I'm going to research it, but I'm very yes. interested in this. You'll
1: find the answer after the show. No, that's, that's baffling. I did not know that about Ahmad Bradshaw. Nice fun fact. You're useful for a few things every now and then. Thank you. Snacks, was there any talk of, and I,
0: I maybe there wasn't a ton of talk on this because this is especially kind of prevalent when we're thinking about the Giants now. You know, Jordan Ronan came on our show talking Giants and he was talking about the collaboration process between coaching staff and management of like how did how did they make the picks how did they sign free agents um and jordan ronan basically said you know that collaboration basically wasn't there with mcadoo and Shermer, especially Shermer, and the collaboration was kind of there for joe judge and we saw the the good performance that happened on the field did coughlin talk about that at all or did he kind of glance over it because he didn't want because he didn't want to talk about it
1: no he really doesn't mention like the collaboration so much um He says, our scouts will evaluate in person approximately 500 of the top prospects during the college season and report back to our scouting director. Once the scouting, and then what he goes on to say, once the scouting director has all the scouting reports before the draft, him, Mark Ross, Chris Mara, and Jerry Reese have a meeting in the minds. He specifically mentions those guys. And, uh, but yeah, it's pretty much, it seemed like a team effort, I, I would assume. And I mean, Coughlin, Obviously, this is after the season and after the fact, but he does say like we needed a cornerback and wide receiver. Their first two picks were cornerback and wide receiver. Yeah, so I'm sure he definitely had some input there. Um, it's actually funny. Wasn't Gettleman in that? He was in the the building for that. No,
0: I I believe he you know scouting a talent evaluator. That's that's right, what he right. did. Yeah, so. but he,
1: he was never mentioned. I found that a little interesting. But uh, all right, anyway. So um, yeah. So we talk about the draft and how great the draft class was. Um, another another thing I found. Um, I don't want to say interesting, but uh, Plax and Jeremy Shockey used to work out uh, in Florida. Not with, like, not with the you know, not with the team and, and stuff. I think voluntary OTAs or whatever they were called at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Coughlin talks about starting to feel good about the upcoming year. He likes the rookies. And he, say, he points out that Plaxico, for the first time, stayed in New Jersey and worked out with Eli. Mm. so Eli was throwing to to Plexico while Shockey and I guess this is almost kind of seeing into the future a little bit that Shockey was causing some headaches Stayed in Florida to work out huh? foreshadowing foreshadowing that's that's the, that's it um yeah so Shockey stayed in Florida and Plax stayed in New Jersey and was working with Eli um and obviously they had that magical connection that year and throughout Plax's career with the Giants so he was saying that that kind of kind of gave him some good mojo going to the season and, and a better feeling than he was already feeling. Um, so, yeah, but obviously he taught, he talks drafts, he ta- talks plaques. And he says now with all this talk of change and my personality changing everything everything, um, you know, he says all spring, I put an emphasis, an enormous amount of thought into how I was going to change and how my relationship with the players could change. And I kept coming back to the same conclusion, just be myself. But how could I show them my, my fun-loving side? And then an idea is born. Poker. Charles Way makes the suggestion of a casino night to break. So, I, you know, he gets into the poker and they obviously eating wings, drinking beer and all that stuff. Um, so that was the first of the team bonding. And in my opinion, the second, my second favorite team bonding experience. Because now we're going to training camp. And training camp back in the day was where? Where was training camp? Albany, New York. Yeah, thank you. I was literally asking you a question. I said, "Where was training camp?" I,
0: I, you, it looked like I it looked like you were picking your nose there for a second. So I was going to let you do that live. Oh, on Maybe air.
1: I was scratching. You know what? Enough. Training camp being held in Albany, and I love this chapter because he in depthly breaks down how a day in training camp worked, and I, <laughs> this I is don't extremely know. interesting. Because well, hold it's the whole here. it's the whole schedule. Can you see it? Look at that. I don't you know, you know will...
0: what we'll do. We'll put a picture on the screen right now. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Yeah.
0: We'll put a picture okay. on the screen right now. But what I find in what I'm going to find very interesting about this. Now I don't know what the day in day out schedule looks like um, now, but I definitely know it's a lot less time on the practice field. You know, with the whole new new CBA right. stuff. Right. And there's no two was, the it, days. It was it was basically the the 2011 season the year of the the second Super Bowl, remember they had the lockout
1: yes. and
0: they were playing catch in the streets of Hoboken, you know, Victor Cruz and Nick's and all the right. receivers yep. and Eli. Yep. They were playing catch in the streets of Hoboken and they had the lockout that year. And that was like the first year where they really started to reduce on the practice time. So seeing, they probably had like two a days.
1: Yeah, they did. Yeah. All right, so and let's they, go they, through they, that schedule. you want to go through it? Let's go through it. I want all to right, hear it. it. All right, so 6 a.m. early wake up. And the time's kind of confused me a little bit, but I guess it's whatever. So 6 a.m. early wake up. to 8 a.m. breakfast, mandatory. I love that. You have to eat breakfast. (laughs) 6.30 a.m. treatment for players listed as out, mandatory. 6.45, wake up. Uh, I guess that's later wake up. 7 a.m. treatment, mandatory. 7 to 8.30, tape and dress, rookies and vets. 8.40 to 8.50, special teams and quarterback run and stretch. Uh, Then team stretch, play up special teams period. And then 9 to 10.45, practice. And then 10 to five minutes, head coach with media, uh, treatment, mandatory, strength development, lunch, mandatory. Jesus Christ, lunch was an he- hour and a half. Fucking slobs. Um, 11.30, 12.15, players with media. 12.15, lunch open to staff, media, and guests. 12.25, coaches AM, tape review. It's crazy that they do all this. Then they go to the office and they watch tape of the practice that just happened three hours ago. Um, 1 p.m., staff AM, tape review. Uh, training room open for tape and dress coaches prepare for afternoon meetings, offense, defense meetings, special teams, QB run stretches. It's the same thing because it's the second, it's the second uh, it's pretty much broken down morning, afternoon, um, blah, 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 blah. Then you go to, into practice conditioning treatment dinner, mandatory another hour and a half fucking pig fest um, coaches, PM tape reviews at six 30 7 PM coaches prepare for evening meetings. Seven seven thirty oh special God. teams meeting, then quarterbacks meeting, then team meeting, lecture nutrition, <laughs> offense defensive meeting seven fifty to 930. 930 training room ice and snack distribution. I was distributed to the players. Nine forty staff p.m. tape review, review next day schedule and practice. Eleven p.m. bed check. That is insane. I did not know. I mean that that is a six
0: a.m. day to attend to it. A, what a ten p.m. day? Yeah, essentially. I
1: didn't know the players stayed for that long. It's it's nuts. And there's a story. I'm not going to get too much into it. Um, but since we're on the topic, like they have a curfew. Uh, I I forget uh, what time the curfew. Maybe ten o'clock was the curfew or eleven o'clock the curfew bed check. Um, Jeff Feagles came up to Coughlin and suggested a kicking competition between uh, Lawrence Tynes and forget his name, Josh, Josh Hust Houston. Mm -hmm. Those were the two guys competing for the kicking job. So Tynes kicked for the offense and Houston kicked for the defense. Whoever made the most that um, either the offense or defense would get an extra hour of curfew. So kind of like a team camaraderie building thing where the team, the offensive guys are rooting for Tynes. And uh, he's talking about they're distracting Houston and and vice versa. For that extra hour curfew, when you're being run like dogs yeah. all day, that's a, it's you know, a big probably a big hour for them. Yeah. Um. So I I, f- I found that funny, but that schedule is intense.
0: Yeah. No wonder why the players' association doesn't want them in pads so much. <laughs> yeah. You think two days?
1: You feel like their days probably started to, nowadays. It's like f- from seven to like one, they're done.
0: Well, I feel so much of it has to be in the classroom. Like so uh-huh. much of it has to be in the classroom. Right. Um, because really, they're out in the practice. I mean, now maybe they're doing more conditioning. I don't know the exact parameters and the exact uh, uh, wordage and what's in the actual CBA, but I definitely know it's not it's not two days. They just don't they don't have the two days anymore. Um, and there's even some coaches that don't even uh, that don't even make them dress up in pads and do the 11 on 11 contact as much that is allowed in the CBA. Like Joe judge clearly pushes that limit. Joe judge. Oh, yeah. bill he, Be- he's
1: he's right at the very, very thin, yeah. of the
0: thin of the ice. Yeah. I think bill Belichick actually in the past has gotten in trouble for I'm sure breaking, breaking rules of the CBA because he has his guys practicing in pads too much, or maybe, maybe John Harbaugh has also gotten in trouble with that too. Um, the good coaches try to manipulate it, and hopefully Joe Judge is one of those guys. We heard f- the, the things that we were hearing, last, and I know this is Tom Coffin episode, but the things that That's we were okay. hearing um, from last training camp of, like, the noises. That, now, remember, the beat reporters, they were a very large distance away from everything, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Um, no physical distance, COVID over the summer. And the, 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 the things that we were hearing out of training camp was like, this should not be happening. No. But that is actually what was happening during like, you know, the 07 training camp. And yeah, uh, even, this, even before this was, that,
1: this was real stuff. Like this was the norm. This was the norm. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Coughlin would have wrote them harder if, if they allowed it. <laughs> but um, it's just it was crazy just to read that schedule. And you're like reading each line. You're like, Jesus Christ. But whatever. It worked. Um, So he
0: feels good about like the development of training camp, the development of the team in training camp. Does he talk about at any point the differences in vibes of like this training camp versus past training camps?
1: He has, he said early in the chapter um, he said at the end, it felt more loose. Like people were more bought in and, Um, I think he actually ends the chapter with saying, I have a very good feeling going into the year or we're going to be, we're going to be a player this year. I think was his word. Um, But before they even take the field and they're in training camp, there was one big name missing. I don't know if you remember this. Well, Michael Strahan, Michael Strahan was not in camp and Coughlin. He says it was not due to contract. It was not due to holding out, nothing like that, but he legitimately wasn't sure if he wanted to play and, from Michael's standpoint, I can understand that you're looking at your team and there's there's turnover. You are you lost arguably your best offensive player and um, scumbag, quitter, whining little bitch, Tiki Barber. And you're like, we were eight and eight last year. We lost a game. Am I coming back? Am I going through the rigors of training camp just to be nine and seven, ten and six, be mediocre? You know, that's something that would probably take a toll on you. So. Yeah. Obviously, Michael plays that year. He skipped training camp. <laughs> he skipped training camp. What
0: was it? What was it from America's game? I mean, did he get fined like a quarter of a million dollars? Yeah, it was a lot of money. He's a and then lot he of money. he said on training. He said on America's game. You know, oh, I, I I didn't know I could miss training camp, and he goes, I, I would
1: He goes, it was well worth it. If it, I if it was done two, it all these
0: years, if it was two point five million dollars, I would have.
1: Uh, I would have missed right, training right camp every here. year. It was the best two hundred thousand dollars I've ever spent they would have told me 10 years ago I could have paid $200,000 in miss camp, I would have paid about $2 million in fines right now. Because there was no no price that you could tell me that I wouldn't skip training camp again. Um, Which, hearing that schedule... Okay, I would probably try and skip it, too. Yeah. But Coach talks about how he spoke with Michael a few times, and it was... Um, you know, it really was him not knowing if the desire and the fire in his heart was still there to play. And Coffin goes... Um, you know, he goes. I'm confident that you can return to an all-pro status. Uh, we miss your smile, your presence, your competitive fire in camp. But life goes on without him. Typical coach talk. Obviously, you know, it's harsh. It's harsh. That's Michael Strahan. That's some people could argue he's on the Mount Rushmore of, of New York Giants of all time. Oh, he is. Yeah, he so is. So that's you know, life goes on without him. That's that's tough. And then he goes on to say, like, he said Michael, I don't want you here if the fire and desire is not there. You go. If if you're gonna come in half-assed, don't come in at all. So, you know, because that was the that was the problem of the 2006 season. Right. Exactly. The undisciplined, the too much talking. And he mentions that he goes, this this theme is talk is cheap. Play the game. There was too much talking last year. Um, so I talked about the Lawrence Tynes battle. Ah, here we go. Um, So we talked, we talked, briefly mentioned the poker, but the I guess the more on record story, because it is in America's game. So we, we, we make clip a. We may clip a video from America's game on, on our Twitter account this week. And um, Coughlin says he's very known for his lectures and his PowerPoints. And he always says that the players kind of roll their eyes when he gets up to talk and he's going through his presentation. So, so I'll, I'll read it. The, the players walk into the room and take their seats awaiting my next boring PowerPoint PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I start in our, in on our objectives, review the schedule for the next day. And then flip to the next slide, which reads, in quotes, we're going bowling, exclamation point. Um, you go, There are some shouts of surprise, but I can tell the players must have had an inkling. Something was up. Still, it is a dramatic way to start the night. I'm piling the buses and head out to the local bowling alley. We divide the players and coaches. I see, I love this. We, we divide the players and coaches into teams, making sure that the four or five-man teams are diverse. So this is a great way to just, have players get to know each other a little bit team better. building. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Team building, team camaraderie, team chemistry, um, breaking into young guys, veterans, offense, defense, coaches, players. Um, So I, I love that. And I, 2006, 2005, 2004, Tom Coughlin is never doing this. He's not doing this. He's running that, that ship like a dictatorship. Um So he goes on to talk about how good Kareem McKenzie and Ty- to David Tyree are. They bought their own bowling balls which they must knew something was up because how would they bring their bowling balls if they went from the facility to the bowling alley? Anyway, whatever. The winning team was Coach Chris Palmer, David Tyree, Michael Jennings, and Sonoris Moss, if you were curious, which doesn't really look like you are, so that's okay. Um, just a little, little, not a sneak peek, but a little little viewing of the change Coach Coughlin was, was indeed making and the one that he promised to make.
0: What I'm trying to do... I don't even I'm to know. trying to see the closest bowling alley to MetLife Stadium or excuse me, Giants, Stadium. Giant Stadium at the time. That's what I. So no, I, no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. This is still in Albany. Oh, that's uh, right. It's still in Albany because remember, and, uh, and I was confused by this, too, because he talks about Strahan first and then says he comes back after training camp. But this is a story from training camp. That's right. Okay. Because tra- remember, Michael on America's Game talks about not going bowling. Right. I don't know, I don't know if you remember that. So, yes. Yeah, so, it's in it's in Albany, the bowling. Right, that area. makes
0: sense. Because the closest bowling alley, I think, to East Rutherford. Now, I could be wrong. Parkway Lanes. Parkway Lanes. I think. There's maybe. also Lodi Lanes.
1: Lodi Lanes. That's it. It's got Lodi's right there.
0: Lodi is right there. I mean,
1: you're, it's right by Route Three. It's right yeah, off of Route Three. Lodi um, is like like not even ten minutes from, from East Rutherford. So.
0: And actually, fun fact, my buddy Matt, um, I forget who he th- there would be these guys during training camp. My buddy Matt would go bowling during the day because we were in college, and you know he would just get up and go 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 through a few games and whatnot. And I forget the players, but they were like no no kind of no name players that would go and they would bowl, they would bowl at Lodi lanes for a little bit, I guess, before, you know, Sher- Shermer's practices, the guys could afford to, to go. And I think it was Tay Davis, low key thing. It was Tay Davis, hey, Davis. Tay so, Davis, remember him? Yeah, uh, really, really, terrible.
1: really fast linebacker. He
0: was terrible, terrible. Um, well,
1: hold on real quick. I don't mean to interrupt your story, but you're, you're, a, very, you're a very good bowler.
0: I am. I'm a state champ. I will include some pictures right now. I am a state sectional champion in 2016 in the state of New Jersey for high school bowling. Yes. You were in high school in 2016? I graduated in
1: 2016. Yes. Jesus Christ. That is very <laughs> impressive, though. And uh, credit to me being a great co-host and letting you feed or feeding your ego. So thank you. So th- say thank you. You're welcome. Which, by the way, I'm sorry. You got to tell me before we come live. Look at my eyebrows.
0: Your name has also been Grace Bertone this entire time. Oh, has it? That's
1: my aunt. Sorry, well, that's on you. You should have changed it.
0: It's on me. Yeah, I'm the
1: producer. Please, nobody should I him.
0: should I keep it up or should I somehow edit it out?
1: Try and edit it out. I don't want people knowing her name. Even well, now a, they now oh. they already know it. Well, they, we already said it. Now they already know it. But I'm. Can you never let me come on camera looking like this again? I don't know what's wrong with
0: your eyebrow. What's wrong? It's with It's one. There?
1: I don't understand what. A unibrow, Justin. One eyebrow. A unibrow. We we can't. You ever see hear it. of them? We can't see that. Are you sure? Yeah, it's. Why do you think I started the show like this? Because I was trying to,
0: trying to hide it. Like a fucking a mutt. Look at me. You do you do look good in those
1: glasses though. You think so? Oh yeah, very astute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I can't do it. I don't wear glasses. I need them because I'm blind, but I don't wear them. Too much pride, baby. One day my, my vision will come back. Anyway, just a couple more things. Uh, I want to quickly talk about. Remember last week I was saying we were talking about like um, the families and like the 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 lives of, of, of families and, and coaches and players and whatnot? Yeah. Like it's more than football outside, you know, outside of football is a lot more than than that. I didn't know Lawrence Tynes. And I want to bring up Lawrence Tynes because it's funny. You follow him on Instagram. He's always posting pictures of his twin kids and they're adorable. He's he's got a, you know, a beautiful wife, beautiful family. Um, So shortly after we traded for Lawrence Tynes in May, his wife went into premature labor with, with twin boys in Kansas city. He called to inform me of the severity of the the situation. And I gave him my blessing to remain at her bedside as long as he needed to great guy coach. Like, you know, I almost feel like, "Mm, no, I shouldn't say that. That's really messed up. Like, 2005 coach called like nope get your ass to training camp or, or whatever the case and he's like nope stay by your way i would hope not i i know it's <laughs> true he, it, i know i know um but just the way we've talked about the change and everything i yeah. figure i throw out a little wrinkle You're out. three
0: minutes early to a meeting you'll still be fined five hundred dollars
1: well that that's a big thing michael strand says that he, yeah. he showed up to a meeting three minutes early with five hundred dollars um but i i just uh, that hit me real quick it's like these guys have so much more in their lives than than yeah. just football and training camp and you know your wife premature premature labor or pregnancy and everything is i mean i've never had a kid i'm not you know that's that isn't my style so i don't know how mm-hmm. what what's going on there but just the human side of them yeah when you have a it day may, it, may, it made me made me have a better appreciation for lawrence times Is kind of where i was getting yeah when you
0: have a day that goes from 6 a.m to 10 to 10 p.m and you know, you can't FaceTime for a couple minutes during the day, right? You know, we're still 2007 with full phones. I mean, you could take pictures and stuff like that, but it's not the right. same. You could do phone
1: calls. Um, yeah. And so, no, and I'm crazy. happy you brought that up because I and I, I stupidly failed to mention that he had struggled a little bit that preseason and he was battling with the other kicker to see who wins the job. And Coffin talks about how that stuff may have been affecting him, that he wasn't able to solely focus on his craft, his kicking. Um, and he always took note of that. And that's ultimately not ultimately why they kept him, but he was a veteran kicker and they knew what he could do. So um, just tough situation.
0: Yeah. But- we, we always pull fits, you know, at, like our jobs and stuff like that. Right. Oh, if we're not getting a long enough lunch, if, if we don't, if we don't get the right parking spot, if we, uh, you know, if we, if we have to do a little bit more than we're asked to do, I mean, especially now. You know, now I understand now. Like during the time of you know COVID, and you know there, there's it's more demanding if you're working at home, because the the lines of you working at home versus what you are doing at your job, all those things are blurred. But I mean, still, you know, we we sometimes can f- pull fits about that when the days, at least what they used to be, you know, yep. the days of, I can't get over that 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. now granted. What are there? What is there like three meal times built in there and they're all hour and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so they seem to eat pretty good, but it's still, it's a very long and exhausting day. So snacks were, were kind of through training camp giants. went. does he talk about the preseason and all they went? one of three. Uh, they, yeah, they, they
1: do. They do, but it's very, it's very basic stuff. He, they, they you know, he, um he liked what he saw. he, didn't like what he said very very simplistic stuff that i didn't yeah. want to waste too much time on um i could have talked like 30 seconds about it but instead i wanted to kind of give lawrence Tynes just we're a little on, shout out we're on to the regular season we're on to the regular season right and that's what we're going to talk about next because i know we're running out of time but yeah. real quick real quick i know it was um giants fans should know should know this but uh the leadership council you know the leadership council correct Yes. And that was a very big thing. And Tom Coughlin, I've read the book numerous times. So I, he, he goes back to it a lot during the book. He credits the leadership council with a lot of the team success that year. And to no surprise, Charles way is in the center of it. Again, Charles way is like, is like an angel. I don't even know what his title was in the organization, but he was an absolute angel. Charles way needs to be thanked for a lot of different things. Um, so, Crawford, Charles Way, who is instrumental in our organization and who sits in all our staff meetings, so he's just a guy that sits in their staff meetings. Um, helps me, helps me choose the right guy for the count for the council. We want to make sure it is a diverse group. Another thing that I love that he's adding, you know, all different parts of the team, young, veteran, whatever the case. Yeah. Uh, there are so many players that make sense, but we can't include them all. So we can't. Actually, real quick, because we're going to end on this. Can you name the players on the council? And I'll I'll give you a hint. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven council members.
0: Let's see how many you
1: can name. I want to say Pierce. Pierce was one.
0: Strahan? Strahan. Um, I think a few are going to be a little surprising. I don't know if Eli wasn't one, right? Eli was one, yeah. Eli was one? Okay. Eli.
1: Um... I mentioned him earlier in the in the show. Shockey? Wow. I didn't mention well, I did mention him, but yeah. That one threw threw me off because I I Shocky was like a head case. I, was, I Fred, was, was Fred Robbins on there? No,
0: unfortunately, he should have I mean, been. He he had a cat, he had a C had a C on his jersey. He did, yeah. But at least no, at wasn't. least during like the 05 season. Um mm. Shockey Shockey surprised me a little bit. Sam Madison had to be on there. mm Whoa. Sam Madison was not on there. Long time NFL vet. Jeff Fiegels. Jeff Eagles was on there. Yeah. Jeff Eagles was on there. Um offensive players, backup quarterback. Nope. Uh now, right, cuz Hasselback was the backup at the time. Um offensive lineman, Sean O'Hara. Yeah, yep, one of three. Chris Sney. Yep. Um let's see. It's uh, tackles. I'm going to go with Deal over Soibert. Very good call. Yeah. Very
1: good call. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're um, doing very you're doing very well. You're missing three. How many are any
0: secondary players? No, all right. I f- I figure this. So the th- safeties, including in the secondary players, Correct, right? Yes. Linebackers. Any more linebackers I'm missing? Yes. Um, Reggie Torbor.
1: No, no. See, this could be a trick to you. Zach Diaz. Dion- Zach Dias- no, He was a rookie. No, 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 no. This could be a trick. This could be a trick to you.
0: Um, not
1: Kavika Mitchell was a free agent. Matthias Kiwanuka. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Because this was his first season as a line. He was transitioning to linebacker. But that's stuff. strange. He was a rookie in 06. So I, oh, I that's... six. yeah, he was a rookie D end. And so, but that's why I said diverse. He brought in a young guy. He had veterans. Right. So it, offense, defense, special teams, it, the whole thing. How many am um, I missing? Two. You're missing two and you're. I'm You're gonna hit yourself for missing one of them. Who's Plax. your favorite player?
0: Well, uh, Steve, Steve
1: Smith. Osi. No,
0: OC. OC. Yes. OC. And then yeah, OC is really good. Leader. And I'm on him. Oh damn. Imani I got tumor. like the hard ones, but I didn't get some you, of the that's easy a, ones.
1: Right? You didn't get OC and tumor. I'm shocked.
0: Um, I figured Shocky would be on there because was Shocky had to be the longest tenured player on offense besides Imani tumor. Had to be.
1: Yeah. 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 Besides Tuma. Yeah. He was drafted in 0-2. Yeah. Maybe deal. No. No. He was. No. Deal was drafted '03, 3 I think. Yep. Okay. Um, cool. So, yeah. Uh, but that was the leadership council and Coughlin gives it. Um, he says so much of their success was due to it. And he also talks about how uh, early on they were not like receptive. The first meeting was very quiet. They weren't really getting into the juice of anything. Um but after a while every every meeting every week would would light up more and more and they'd go longer and longer and longer. One final um, point. One final point.
0: What's the difference between Tom Coughlin's leadership council and a student council in a school?
1: That's a great question <laughs> and I have no answer for you but somebody just barged into my room. Somebody just barged in. So we're going to end the show. Hold on. No, 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 no. no. Oh, is I, don't it? oh, oh I, I don't know if I don't know if the listeners have ever have ever seen this intruder. Say hi, Ben. That's a microphone. You see that? You know, Justin. Don't spit in my wine, bitch. Look at him. Look how beautiful he is. Well, that's Say great, hi, Ben. That's great. I
0: I, I heard Benny's like his breaths. Yeah, well, taking. yeah,
1: you've you've met Benny. You know how uh, you know how I breathe. He's a French mm-hmm. Bulldog. He's got no breathe. Get out of there. Those are my trophies. And they got dust on him. Uh, but yeah. So when we get back to it, you want to kind of briefly go what we're doing next or next
0: no. I want to save it all. I mean, odds are it's the regular season, right? No, oh, no, 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 no. Right, right, right. I meant like what we're doing on the show because I think we're going to take a little break from, Ooh, the, from
1: the call from book. Yes,
0: we're taking a break from the book. Um, I'm not promising anything. Uh-huh. I hate promising things on podcasts, especially when we don't know what's coming up. That's the beauty. We're going to aim. We're going to aim for something different and it will be something different, but it just depends on what that thing is.
1: Yeah. So, just so make sure, make sure you're watching.
0: Yeah. So two, we did two weeks on with Tom Coughlin. We're going to take a two week break and then we're going
1: to go for two more weeks. Um, and we're going to get, we are going to get into the regular season. I wanted to make it a buildup uh, of, of Coughlin and, and the, the 2006 season, what he needed to do and the training camp draft and everything like that. Now we go into it, baby.
0: We're in it. We're in the thick of it. All right. Keep on bleeding blue. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching another weekend another offseason weekend we're having a lot of fun we're making the off-season fun thank you so much for watching keep on bleeding blue we'll see you next week peace
1: fuck tiki barber baby